0: You are listening to Musician Today's weekly Podcast with Vera Blumenko. Tune in for your insight into a professional musician's life and awesome new music. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Musician Today. We are here today with another amazing artist who I have been inspired by for so many like, things that I watched her do and uh, she is a pink violinist. So our today's guest is a hot pink violinist who has performed with acts Uh, like the Chainsmokers the Jonas Brothers and the Seagala and has opened for Steve Aoki Diane Ross Neo Flo Rida Jennifer Hudson and others and she toured with the Trans-Siberian Orchestra too so you can find her on her social links at sarahcharnes.com, at YouTube forward slash Sarah Charnes at Instagram at Sarah Pink Violin at Facebook forward slash Sarah Charnes At Twitter At um, Sarah Charnas As well And She hails from New York As an electronic violinist and She creates a singular blend of music that straddles the world of classic pop and electronic dance music, EDM. Her vibrant, physically thrilling live performance continuously captivates audience as she performs on her signature hot pig, Sig String Viper Violin. In 2015, she released her first track with Disco Killers, We Came to Party which reached number 48 on the Beatport Hot 100 Electra House chart. As a follow-up single um, with the Disco Killers, uh, They released the, uh, and a British pop singer, Jim Cooke, they released Grip, which received international recognition. As a soloist, Sarah has toured North America with the American Progressive Rock Band, the the Siberian Orchestra. In 2015, she headlined at the Summer Experience Music Festival in Cape Town. South Africa, and she appeared in the feature performer as a feature performer during the New York Knicks halftime show at New York City's Madison Square Garden, the Chicago Bulls halftime show at the United Airlines Arena, as well as on the runway during Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week, and she has appeared on the Today Show, um, um, and an NBC Nightly News with print features appearing in DJ Times, Grains, New York. The daily the international musician and others in 2014 her signature bright pink violin was the lead in theme introduction into the boxing on espn Deport, Deports. I'm, I'm sorry guys. <laughs> it's so amazing. I can't say it anymore. In addition to a multitude of performances and leading nightclubs around the world, she also performs at Radio City Music Hall and Carnegie Hall in New York City, the John F. Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts in Washington DC, the Chicago Theater in Chicago Massey Hall in Toronto, and the Prague Opera House in the Czech Republic. Wow, what an amazing, amazing resume. So welcome, welcome, Sarah Charnes, the one and only hot pink violinist. Thank
1: you so much for having me. I so
0: appreciate it. Well, it's our pleasure. We're so excited to chat with you. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing amazing. I'm
0: back in New York after quite,
1: you know, a little bit of time off and I'm
0: Mm -hmm. so happy
1: to be getting running again um, in in the month of September. So very, very excited to be back at
2: it.
0: Yeah. Amazing. So um, right right away from the top of our list here, where did the Pink Violin idea come from?
2: (laughs) Well,
1: it's actually a long story. I met, the Pink Violin actually made by Mark Wood, yes. who I'm sure a lot of your uh, listeners have heard of and know, um, and I, he came, you know, to do a demonstration sort of at our music camp to do mm-hmm. a performance, I went to Greenwood Music Camp um, over in the Berkshires, and he took out all these Viper Violins that I thought were pretty fantastic, mm-hmm. and given I was only 15 years old, when it was time to pick a color... I uh, picked hot pink, of course. Yay! So <laughs> ever since then, I've been with this hot pink viper, and I sort of, you know, really just fell in love with it. And it sort of became its own, uh, its own character in a movie. So since then, that's that's the story of it. It's really just a very old instrument now, although it, it doesn't look it. They hold up extremely well.
0: Oh yeah! Amazing. It looks brand new. <laughs> it does they look brand new that's so fantastic I'm saving up for my viper too I want a seven string one because I want to record a bunch of tracks on it so that'd be oh, awesome again, it's a great <laughs> idea great idea yes love it so love it all right so um did you begin your education through classical training and yes yes and how did you come out into like electronic dance music from all of this no, that's a
1: great question. I, it, nothing happened overnight. I started mm-hmm. out Suzuki violin, just like a lot of other people do. Um, you know, I was about four or five years old when I started. Mm-hmm. And really, I was classical all the way through college. I mean, I went you know to school and went to I did an undergraduate degree with a violin performance major. Mm-hmm. Um, but after I met Mark and got my Viper, about 15 years old, I really sort of opened my eyes to what was possible. On the violin, that I didn't just have to play Mozart, Bach, Beethoven—you know, the great composers—on mm-hmm. um, my instrument, I could be doing other things as well. Um, so, a sort of a there was a gap that was bridged in terms of what I was listening to on the radio and what I was listening to on my iPhone or, I guess, you could say, Discman or Walkman back then, yes. and what I could actually do on my instrument. And so, all of a sudden. You know, it was like connecting two wires together. I realized that, oh my gosh, well, I can actually play this stuff. <laughs> I don't just have to be doing the great composers of 400 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. Not that that's not wonderful. It is. But it just sort of opened up a new world to me. And that's when I started realizing and playing around with beats, playing around with sounds, playing around with how my instrument could carry in these different genres. Mm-hmm.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, it's like when you get that inspiration and you see the world of possibility, there's just no going back. Oh, 100%. It's
1: like all of a sudden you're walking around with blinders on and you take off the glasses and you can see. Yeah, it's sort of that experience.
0: That's fantastic. Well, why don't we have a listen to one of your recordings? Hello, everyone. So why don't we listen to what you need? Okay, and then you can tell us a little bit more about how it was made. Okay, sounds good. All right, here we go, guys. Gonna get up and go.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: Was this a collaboration with the DJ? <gasps>
1: So this is actually my own track.
0: Oh, um, nice.
1: I obviously had some help producing it because um, I am, you know, I'm really not a producer. I don't try to pretend that I am a, an amazing producer, um, but I did have some help with the production here. So this one was mm-hmm. not a DJ collaboration. This was just my own track. That's amazing. But I really wanted to put out a track that could sort of feel at home in the dance genre mm-hmm. um, and that sort of could be played at a party and really
0: work. That's fantastic. Well, it definitely does that. Makes me want to party right now. <laughs> yeah,
1: that was really what we were going for at the
0: time. And I can hear the violin very clearly actually at the very beginning. So yeah, I feel like it's a yeah, nice I mean, sweet tone to it. Yeah,
1: Yeah, we ended up the violin is actually both in the verses and in the choruses. It's just that we added a lot of effects to it in the choruses to sort of give it a more synthesized sound. Obviously, because that's really what you're hearing in a lot of those dance music drops,
2: yes. or those very
1: highly synthesized sounds. And what mm-hmm. we did was blend a synthesizer with the sound of the violin to create that sort of chorus drop.
0: That's amazing. I'm just getting into all the synthesizers right now. I got, yeah. I got a pedal that I'm learning how to use. <laughs> oh, very The nice. pedal, so, yeah, now. Yeah, they're, great, be so fun. they're really, really great. Yes, yes, that's true. So, um, your performance is so high energy, and when you move, it looks like you're a trained dancer. Do you have any dance training at all? So, a little bit. You know, I danced all through high school, not even high school.
1: I want to say I danced up mm-hmm. until high school very seriously. I did ballet. Oh. Uh, but after that you I mean, really didn't dance a lot like I you know I sort of had to choose between dance and music and what I was going to focus my attention on and because I was such a serious ballet dancer I really felt like it was either all or none with it um, yeah. for me I it didn't know how to sort of do ballet halfway mm-hmm. um so I really chose music and decided to run with that I Felt that it was going to have a longer shelf life for me than than dance, which the, obviously the career of a dancer is very short. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, but that's I would say I have a limited dance experience. Certainly not a professional dancer by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but you know, lots of people aren't professional dancers and still like to move and move well. And so I would say I I would hope that I move somewhat well, although I'm sure I've, I have my awkward moments as well.
0: It looks <laughs> great. Does. You look so confident on heels.
1: Oh, that was a work in progress.
0: Though. I can that, imagine. That a long time. People often ask me to wear like stilettos, and I explain to them, "Well, look, if you want me to dance this move, it's not gonna work. It's gonna look different, right?" It's so sometimes it really has, to, to yeah. heels, oh, Even for me, I
1: feel like it's so much easier just to be barefoot, which yeah. I prefer. Yes,
0: me too. High five to that. Amazing. So uh, ever since you got your Mark Wood instrument, everything changed and like, I love what you're doing. Absolutely love it. Um, What could you say to us? Like, how did, you know, being in the community of Viper sort of affected you? Um, How how would you explain your experience with working with Mark Wood as well?
1: Well, it's been really amazing. I mean, what Mark is doing is really unique. I don't know anybody that really is doing what Mm -hmm. he's doing to the level that he's doing it. Um, You know, Mark is really a teaching artist as well as a player, and he's inspiring so many young musicians to take their instruments out of the classical genre and include other genres as a part of their training. and so, obviously, he started the program Electrifier Strings, which, when you interview him, you'll hear a lot more about. Yes. Um, and I came on a number of years ago to work with Electrifier Strings as a teaching artist, um, and we go, you know, from school to school and community to community, I should say. And we work with young uh, orchestras, young high school and middle school orchestras, and you know, it's really been amazing to work with Mark to see how effective he is in inspiring mass-quantity young players. And he is on the road every day with us. And he's reaching so many young kids and inspiring young kids to continue with these instruments. Because I think what happens is that a lot of... There is this disconnect between Mm -hmm. what these kids are doing in orchestra and what they're listening to on the radio and what they're listening to when they go home at night. And he's trying to just bridge the gap between what these kids are doing on their instruments in school and what they're doing on their own and i think that's what's really incredible is that he is opening their eyes to what they can do on their instruments and that's what's so incredible to me about um you know being able to work with him is just to see how many kids are now continuing to play because they feel like they can play the music that they want to be playing and not just what they're told to play and not just what's on the page so I think that, you know, that for me has been a real treat just to be able to reach so many young, young musicians.
0: Absolutely. I completely support that. And I see that shift and that gap as well in my students. I often get students who come into lessons with me and they say, you know, I've played classical for this and this, but I really want to do something more interesting. Can you help me with that? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. And I, you know, I hear this all the time from people, you know, I really, I love playing Mozart and Beethoven, but, but I really want to play that Game of Thrones medley or yes. I really want to play, you know, the, the latest track by Avicii. How can I do that? Or I really want to play with a track. Like mm-hmm. I really want to mm-hmm. play as a part of a band yep. um, and have a drum beat going in the background. So many of these musicians have never actually played to a beat before and it feels so cool. To just have that drum beat in the background and to feel like you have a rhythm section behind you. Um, And that just even that simple, simple step really hooks people because all of a sudden they they have a different feeling around them.
0: Yes, absolutely. And um, there's no need to limit yourself to one or the other thing because today you can do absolutely anything. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Absolutely. And it's, you know, where we are with technology too, is that we're so much more exposed at such a young age. And also our laptops can be our rhythm sections. You know, we are so, so um, lucky to have all of these computer programs right at our fingertips. And so it's really easy to, you know, even if you don't have a live
0: rhythm section, you can create one. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's
1: really, it's really amazing.
0: It is absolutely so i'm all for progressive learning (laughs) Yes. no me too me too being independent from you know spending hours and hours and trying to find this piece of music you can absolutely create your own
1: exactly and i think that's also a huge
0: um experience for a lot of these kids is
1: everybody's so used to you using music and to Mm -hmm. having your eyes be so focused on the black dots in front of you. Yeah. It's really incredible to watch what happens when students all of a sudden look up from their music Mm -hmm. and they don't feel dependent on the page. Right. Um you know I I almost never use music anymore and it's so liberating.
0: I agree because it creates this like free space between you and your audience, like you're having a conversation instead of you like hiding behind the shield of- <laughs> you know it's so funny you say that
1: because i had
0: i think it was i had a
1: gig that i played last night um and it was it was quite a cool gig i you know i got to put together all these arrangements all these rock arrangements and pop arrangements and mm-hmm. you know i played on this job last night that i that i actually really had fun doing but everything was with music and it was so stressful <laughs> to feel like I had, to, you know, really couldn't look up because I was paying such close attention to what was on the page yep. It was actually quite a stressful job for me because I really felt like my head was buried into my iPad and I couldn't look up or I would make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, you know, while music definitely <laughs> has its place and it, it, you need it at mm-hmm. times, um, I, I also really appreciate not having it
0: yes I agree completely because it allows you to be more free and to actually pay attention to your surrounding and to your bandmates and communicate that's of course very important in any performance that's what it's all about it's about communication and that emotion that you're conveying of
1: course of course absolutely
0: all right speaking of emotion let's listen to one more song so this is a collaboration with disco killers and it's called a beautiful life Yay! So let's have a listen
2: I used to dream, used to believe that there was one. In me.
0: beautiful life after listening to your song (laughs) (laughs) so how would you say you approach a collaboration do um like is the track made before you hear it or do you guys make it together and then you just no
1: we very very good question this track actually went through a number of different edits and phases and the way we actually did it is we started with the instrumental aspect of it and then added the vocals afterwards. Mm. So we did it sort of backwards. Um, So the instrumental part of the track was created very, very basic, like ideas and themes and was recorded. All the violin parts were recorded. The drops were the violin. Mm -hmm. So everything was kind of created. And then we left space for the verses for the vocals. So that's kind of how a track like that comes to life. But it did go through a number of different edits and different passes before to get to this kind of finished product. Um, so it's it's with great difficulty that you approach a track like this because <laughs> how do you fit all of these different people yeah. and these different sounds into one space?
0: Mm-hmm, I agree. Actually, it's funny you say that, that you say it's backwards. To me, I think it's actually the right way. It depends which... Genre you're working on like if I'm writing yes. a symphony clearly I'm gonna sit down and write on every single note on the page So that from beginning mm-hmm. to and end, that's one thing, mm-hmm. but if you're working on something like this I feel it because I'm an instrumentalist too that if I have vocals they come secondary to me <laughs> So right. I do the same thing. I first have a structure in my head of what I want to do with the instruments And then I add the vocals, even if they sort of take over later, but first they're just there for kind of like the flavor (laughs) to color it a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I think that, you know, every process is different Mm -hmm. and every track kind of goes through its own unique process, depending on where you're starting from, Mm -hmm. whether or not you're starting with a simple theme or melody or idea, Mm -hmm. or whether or not, you know, you work with a vocalist that says, oh, I have great lyrics, Um, I want to work with these, Mm -hmm. Um, what do you think of this melody? So I I think in, in a way, every track is really unique in that way.
0: Yeah, absolutely agree. It really depends what you're working on. So there is no backwards thing. I think it's all right. <laughs> I guess there's really no backwards or forwards. I,
1: I, guess, I guess what we're saying is that, you know, I guess really it is, it is every everything is unique and every process is unique depending on mm-hmm. how it's going. Um, generally, you know, with a lot of DJ tracks though, what you do find is that the track you know, it's kind of made first and then they'll leave yes. space for a vocalist to kind of write on that track. Mm-hmm. Generally, that's that's the order that it goes in, but it doesn't have to go that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it can go backward. You know, it's just totally depends on on the track and how it's being worked on.
0: Absolutely agree. Well, um, so being so busy as you are and performing full-time and teaching and being a mom, do you have any tips for us on how you manage your day? Like, how much time do you spend on practicing? How much time you spend on social media and things like that? I know it's a big question, but just like... No, it's a
1: big I, I Let's just say, first of all, I, I don't even know if I'm one to give advice on this because I'm not sure how great I am at even doing all of these things <laughs> at one time. Um, but I can tell you what I do do. And, and, you know, I would say everything happens with great difficulty. There are days where I get nothing done because I'm being a mom. I can say that there's days where I work all day and spend no attention to social media. And there's days where I sit on social media for half the day and get no practicing done. So (laughs) there's all sorts of things that happen or all sorts of combinations that happen. But what I do try to do in general is I try to leave some time in my day for working on music, working on whatever it is that I have to put together for the shows that I have coming up. Mm -hmm. So I try to take each week and say, okay, what do I have this week? What do I need to work on and what do I need to accomplish? What social media goes with what I have that week? Mm -hmm. And, like, try to kind of plan it out in advance. Like, what do I need to promote that week? What do I need to accomplish that week? Um, What do I want to try to drive attention to on a specific week? Um, And I try to kind of just go week by week um, instead of day by day, if that makes sense. And I try to look at the week Mm -hmm. as a whole because – i'm not going to accomplish everything every day it just doesn't yeah. happen for me i have too much going on um, but if i try to kind of create weekly goals i find that it's much easier to meet everything if you're looking at it in a broader perspective and saying okay i have to get everything done today or i'm not successful um so that for me has been helpful and it gives me a little more flexibility and of course things come up and you have to realize we're all human beings here. We're not machines. Yeah. Um, we have to leave time for ourselves as well. Um, so I think, you know, just being a little bit broader in terms of how you look at your, your time, as a, for me, has been an extremely helpful way of doing things.
0: That's true. I absolutely agree. I listened to Gary Vee. I love him by the way. And oh, yeah. um, he often says that most people think short term, they do not have a bigger yeah. picture. And that's trouble because that gets you into this mindset that if you don't have it now, you can't have it. <laughs> so building long term is really important. So like weekly goals, monthly goals, far more exactly. important than, yeah than the daily goals (laughs)
1: yeah daily goals I'm like I never meet my daily goals they just don't happen
0: I know I have like 20 things
1: it's tricky um yeah and you know all these you know I think the other thing is that things pop up you know you'll think you're gonna get something done Mm -hmm. today but then something gets in the way yeah um or I think oh I'm gonna get you know two hours of practicing done but then my son so you know it's just important to always think bigger picture what Mm -hmm. do i need to accomplish what's going on and for me having deadlines is always really important you know if i have a deadline i'm going to make it happen Mm -hmm. um if there's no deadline or there's no show or there's no something to get ready for i find it just extremely hard to get into the practice room um and that's just because my time is so limited
0: yeah Completely so, understand
1: but, yeah. but everybody is different, and of course, everybody's schedule is different. Mm-hmm. So if you're a student, it is really important to allow a, you know more time during your day to practice. Um yes. you know, especially if you're if you're trying to hone your craft, if you're learning, if you're you know a younger player, that is extremely important. And when I was a younger player, I did do that, I really spent quite a lot of time in the practice room. So mm-hmm. I, I don't want to diminish that by any stretch of the imagination. As I said, everybody is different. Mm-hmm. And depending on where you are in your life and in your career and in your, um, you know, in your journey, your, your, your practice time and your schedule and everything, it's going to look different. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's true. When I was uh, studying too, it's the same thing, two hours every day, at least, I would be in oh, practice nice. too. <laughs> and, and now that's it hard, that. yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad I did that because uh, it gave me a certain muscle memory at the time. And now I'm kind of, yeah, I, I can maximize the 15 minutes that I have to practice and do sort of the same amount that I would have to do probably in an hour. If I was still yes. a student, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, you know,
1: as I said, that's why I really, really feel like everybody's schedule and journey is different because we're all in different places in our lives and different places in our
0: careers. That's true. But once you have the priorities, then obviously you have to commit to those in your day. And <laughs>
1: oh, 100%. 100%. All
0: right. Well, let's have a listen to one more. So this is... A master track from December eighteenth, titled Alpine. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, sorry. <laughs> it's it just said. track is
1: called
0: High struck High Okay. Okay. Thank you. So we're gonna have a listen. There we go. Awesome. I'm so glad we ended with this one. It's gonna give me energy for the rest thank of my week. I <laughs> oh
2: love God, it. I'm so
0: glad. Love it. Love it. So it's so important to play the stuff you love because it just boosts your mood so much and you're just able to do so many more things.
1: <laughs> oh thank you.
0: All right. So, um, to get things moving on our show as well, um, I'd like to play something that is kind of like a rapid fire game that we do at the end of our show. So I'm going to ask you 10 silly questions. (laughs) And if you can give us an answer as fast as you can. So the whole purpose of this is try to not think too hard about your answer, but sort of like the first thing that comes to your mind, right? So (laughs) let's see if we can do that. We have a minute countdown. So I'm going to get us started okay. and then I'll read the first question to you. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Okay. Ready? Yes. Three, two, one. And what do you like most? Nightclubs or daytime shows?
1: Daytime
0: shows. All right. What age did you pick up violin? Five. Okay. How many violins do you own? Four. Awesome. Violin, acoustic or electric? Right. Yay! What motivates you? Other
1: people.
0: All right. Uh, which YouTuber you just can't stop watching? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's a hard one. Okay. Okay. That's a really hard
1: one. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know your really favorite I don't songs
0: know. Okay. to cover. Your favorite songs to cover. Three. Name three.
1: Oh, anything
0: by Avicii, who yeah, I adore. Yeah. Anything by, um... oh, what do I love? Oh, this <laughs> is so hard. I know. <laughs> like, you're doing this to me. Okay, okay, but um, wait on. Name three people Avicii... you admire. what do you say? Name three people you admire. Oh, no, we're out of time. Oh, no. Oh, it's gosh. okay, it's okay. I'm so bad at this. <laughs> It's okay, we can finish the questions anyway. Uh, name oh, three people. Anyway? Name three people you admire. From the top of your head
1: oh okay i'm gonna say madonna Mm -hmm. um
0: i love her too no no i really like a love
1: madonna yeah (laughs) um i'm just gonna say like a cross between madonna the dalai
0: lama and my parents nice okay then dogs or cats dogs all right name three violinists you follow on instagram
1: Oh, you know who I follow? I follow um, that Viola
0: kid. Well, by yes.
1: Viola. That doesn't count. He was on the
0: show. I follow
1: that Viola kid. I follow Esther Abrami. Mm-hmm. Am I saying her last name right? I think so. I think okay, so. Okay, I yeah. didn't want to butcher her name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I follow Hillary
0: Hahn. Yeah. Oh, and Mark
1: Wood. I follow a lot Yay. of Yeah, I love all of those, kid. too. I follow a lot of really
0: yeah I love all these guys too and uh, actually Drew was on the show two weeks ago we had an amazing interview <laughs> oh great yeah, he's such a great and
1: he really yes. loves what he's doing
0: yes love it too it's amazing alright so well Sarah thank you so much for making the time to speak with us today and to bring your awesome tracks that I just love <laughs> it's my new favorite thing now thank you so
1: much so, oh god thank you I hope, I, I hope others feel the same way I'm here to just you know, make people feel good, and that's it. If that's if that's
0: what you can do in life, then fantastic. Yes, absolutely agree. So again, guys, a reminder, you can find Sarah on her website at com, on YouTube, forward slash Sarah Charness on Instagram, at Sarah Pink Violin, Sarah with an H at the end, <laughs> and Facebook at Sarah Charness and Twitter at Sarah Charnes. She's also one of the Wood Violins artists at woodviolins.com, forward slash Sarah, dash (laughs) Charness, I guess I I hope I got it right and um, what I would like to also know before we leave is if you have something maybe one piece of advice for a young musician starting in the world of sort of modern violin what would you tell them sort of the main thing to pay attention at in today's world what would would you leave us with sort of like a piece of wisdom (laughs)
1: Okay. um, I guess my biggest piece of wisdom is learn from those around you, but don't compare yourself to those around you. You are your own, um, you're your own person. You have your own journey and let those around you inspire you, but not feel inferior.
0: That's beautiful. Thank you. So right on point. Okay, well, thank you, Sarah, so much. I had such fun interviewing you today. Thank you for
1: having me. I really appreciate it and we'll be in touch. Yes,
0: actually, I do like to invite my artists back so that we can sort of get an update from you. What you've been up to, what projects you worked on in the next few months, and I'm also installing updates. So soon we'll be able to see both our faces on the screen. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> that was amazing. so yeah.
0: yes uh, i would love to get back in touch in a few months and hear what you're working on then so thank you so much have an amazing day um can't wait you to share bad. this with everyone take care okay have a good one bye you too bye that's all folks if you like iron fiddle songs download them at beerabermenka.com forward slash music see you next time